This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to another episode of Poetry in Motion with me, Neil Fitzmorris. You can call me Fitzy, though. How are you doing? Hope you're well. The sun is shining, whatever you're doing, walking your dogs. Hello, Mr. Cairns, if you're there, Chris Cairns. Uh, often, well, he always listens to the podcast. He loves it. And he's uh, he's often out there walking his dogs. Hello, Cairns. How are you, pal? Everyone who listens to this, really, really appreciate it. All your support, as ever. Uh, Ale La Rouge as well, of course. Thank you for supporting that, Pete and the lads. And all of the blood red lads who were and lasses who work very very hard to keep us up to date with Liverpool. Um, Liverpool FC, the unbearable scousers are at it again, aren't they? What an incredible yet again! It's just remarkable. We come on here time after time. We are so blessed uh, to be living uh, in a time when this Liverpool team are achieving so much. They are fantastic. Here to show, share the joy uh, with me are two of blood red's own. It's Matt Addison. How you doing, Matt? Yeah, all good, mate. It's uh, the same message every time at the moment, isn't it? It's all good, intense, enjoying it. The next few weeks, Linka, are going to be incredibly, incredibly exciting. Incredible indeed. Uh, Edward Kay is with us as well for his second. So good was his debut. He's back again off the bench like Louis Diaz. He's uh, coming on. How are you, Edward? You all right, pal? Yeah, not doing bad, not doing bad. It's a, it's a good time to be a red as ever. But uh, yeah, like Matt said, it's been a... Uh, Intense few weeks, and it's only going to uh, only going to get more intense now, isn't it? Well, it is, but it's it's just remarkable, mate. And I mean, time after time, we come on these uh, on these podcasts. I'm touching wood all the time here, but we come on and we look at the the schedule and this team's had, and um, and it looks like now, obviously, statistically, they're going to play every single possible game uh, that you can play in a league in a league season. It's extraordinary, really. Um, you know, it wasn't that. It wasn't that long ago, Matt. We were staring down the, the the wrong end of a ten game April, uh, and boy, did we just we just gallop through it, mate, didn't we? It's some team, this isn't it, Matt? Yeah, I mean, where where do you even begin with it? Every single position, every every area of the pitch, it's it's just perfection, isn't it? And I think I think we said going into April, April could be could be the best month of of Liverpool supporters' lives, and obviously the only thing that could get better than that was May, and and thankfully that is is hopefully going to be the case now because they've given themselves that opportunity. Obviously, it was always one step at a time, one game at a time, as as Jurgen Klopp will will always always tell you. But you always thought that. If they can get through April, they'd put themselves in a position to do what we all thought was near impossible, but is very much on. And I think, obviously, the events of, of the other Champions League semi-final probably make that a little bit more likely, as I'm sure we're going to come on to. You know, there's an FA Cup semi, uh, an FA Cup final rather in in a couple of weeks' time, and, and no one's really no one's really thought about it too much, to be honest, because you've got the Premier League title, you've got a Champions League final. There's there's just so many so many other things that have have kind of got almost got in the way of it to a certain extent. I mean, in most seasons, in all of our lives, to get to an FA Cup final and to still be in contention for for the Premier League title at this point would be an absolute dream at the start of the season. But the fact that you've got a Champions League final to to kind of cap that off and, you know, three weeks or or so away is, it's just remarkable, isn't it? You you kind of, you you literally do run out of of words to describe these things, which, uh, which does make our job quite hard. I bet, yeah. Well, Ed, I mean, Matt's just said there, April, we went into April thinking, you know, it could have been a really uh, a really great month for us. It could have also broken us, let's be honest with you. It was that kind of schedule. It was that important. Everything up for grabs, particularly the um, the chase with City as well. Um, but they've just exceeded all expectations yet again, haven't they? And when looking at now, you know, 
between May the 14th and the 28th, we've got two weeks there where, where you know, we could be FA Cup, Carabao Cup and Champions League winners. It's, it's extraordinary. And, and if we're looking at these months and saying, that the pressure's on. How must these players be putting up with it? It's an, it's an incredible. Just it just seems to bounce off them, doesn't it? Obviously, they're all under pressure, but clearly down to the man management of the genius that is Jurgen Klopp as well, Ed. Yeah, well, they are. They certainly are the uh, mentality monsters, aren't they? I know he dubbed them that quite a while ago, but it just you know, I think they first sort of earned that nickname when they were you know that those two goals late against Villa in that Premier League winning season and. Ever since then, you know, this team, you just can't, you can't bet against them. If you'd have said at the beginning of April, we'd be in the position we're in, you know, FA Cup final, Champions League final, we're one point behind in the league. It's still, the quadruples, you know, still very much on when, I mean, you started hearing murmurs of it, but I don't think anybody at the start of April really would have believed that we'd we'd be in this position come, come obviously come the start of May. And it's just, a, it's a bit outrageous to, <laughs> to, Try and watch this, watch this Liverpool team, and you know, people constantly betting against them. You know, and it's, it's you just you can't count them out of any game. You can't count them out of any competition. They're just they're relentless. They keep keep us churning out results, even when they're not playing well. And they've sort of come through a period where they were doing that and they weren't playing the best, and they were still getting the results. And they've sort of come through that now and they've really kicked on and the bats playing the best, you know, some of the football, some of the goals we've scored recently, some of the goals against City, you know, it's just it's as good as you're going to see anywhere. And they just look unstoppable at the moment. And the quadruple is it's very much on, isn't it? It absolutely is a completely un, un, uh, unbeatable April, really, wasn't it? And let's remember what we got through in that April match. We got a two games, we got a 2-2 draw with Man City, a 4-0 drubbing um, uh, at Man United, a 3-2 victory Man City to the, for the semi-final, for the journey to the final, a derby win uh, and European success as well. I mean, boy, oh boy, they crammed it in, didn't they? But they just, they just seem to be the right team for the occasion now, don't they? They, they believe so much in each other. They've got that great belief. They're managing their, their, their fitness. Jürgen's juggling sides and, and formations and it seems to be working really really well and 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 you know touching wood once again we we go into the next period with it with a, basically a fully fu- fully fit um first team and 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 squad it's 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 incredible isn't it couldn't you, you're almost waiting for the ground to to fall underneath you aren't you to the to, for the rug to be pulled but at the moment there is no rug to be pulled they're just a sensational team with incredible organization matt yeah, there, there has been times over the last few weeks where you've kind of just thought this is this is too good to be true. It's it, it's far far too easy for Liverpool in terms of the injuries and, and all of that stuff. And like you say, we, we just have to hope that that's you know the, the case for the next three and a half weeks, three three and a half more weeks of Naby Keita not being injured, three and a half more weeks of Joel Matip not being injured. That's that's all we want, isn't it? And I just think it's it, it's a testament really to the job that Jurgen Klopp has done. Obviously literally in terms of, of the team and the management and the rotation, but also the team he's got around him, you know, the the, the people he's brought in, the, the fitness staff, the nutritionists, all of, of the, the sort of people who don't get a mention, who don't get to to kind of, of get the credit firsthand, I think is, you know, it's it's a huge credit to, to every single one of them that, that works with the team. And I think that's, that's the crucial difference really, isn't it, this season? They've got that squad, they've got the ability to kind of manage players and they've got that expertise that, you know, you can't play Naby K 
cater for 90 minutes every single week, but you can play in maybe every other game. Joel Matip and Ibrahim Akonate during the Champions League have, have kind of swapped in between each other. One's played one week, one's played the next, and, and you've kind of managed each of, of their fitness sort of regimes perfectly. And, you know, like I say, we, we don't want to speak too soon and you don't want to hear of, of an injury in the next couple of days that could change things. But, you know, even if, even if Liverpool did get one or two injuries, I think at, at this point you'd still say, you know, even if Liverpool got a couple of, of key injuries, they're still, you know, a better squad and a better team than, than Manchester City. Obviously, City now only got the, the Premier League to play. Liverpool can't do much other than just sort of watch and, and hope and keep their fingers crossed. But in the other competitions, obviously, you know, it's, it is it is literally in their hands. It's it's an opportunity to, to go and, and win things. And you mentioned the pressure before. Obviously, there is... There is a certain pressure, there is a certain level when you get to, to this sort of end of, of the season to go out and, and win. But I just think Liverpool are in are in such a brilliant position. They've managed to, to get themselves this far. And if you can manage the, the pressure and, and get to this point, there's no reason why they can't take that next step. So yeah, it, it would just be it would be almost unthinkable to win all four. But at the same time, I, I don't think you can really write this Liverpool team off doing anything like that because you know, you, you just never know. It, it is very much the impossible becoming possible. Yeah, absolutely. And Ed, if we did, if we needed a boost, which we don't, because the team are providing the boost on a on a three or four daily basis, really. Aren't it's not even a weekly basis. It's three every three three or four days that they're, they're pumping out results. But if ever we needed a time when Jurgen Klopp pops up and says he's sticking around for another couple of years just to keep that momentum going, I mean that's it was the best news any Liverpool fan could hear, couldn't it? Because the the man is a genius, and we'll go on to the. The Villarreal second leg as well, because I think the genius he showed in in, in the in the interim period between the first and second half, the the half time period with formation and the way he 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 didn't do what I think every Liverpool fan was screaming for him to do, and uh, because he could see something different, and he he really is a genius. And having him till two thousand twenty six proves, doesn't it, that Jurgen Klopp himself knows that he's building something very very special, way beyond anything he could have imagined. I think. Yeah, I think he was. He's given up kidding himself, hasn't he? He was never going anywhere in 2024. I don't think. I'm not sure many fans believed he'd leave. I don't think. Obviously, his wife didn't believe he'd leave. <laughs> She's uh, clearly part of the reason he stayed. And you know, like I say, he's, he's stopped kidding himself. He's signed up till 2026. And as you said, it's it really is the best possible news anyone could have had because it just means that whatever happens, this is going to continue. Because you know where we might where he might have initially thought that. That first Champions League winning squad, could could he do it again? You know, Firmino's not not the player he was back then. Obviously, he's still integral part of the side, but he's sort of he's managed to recreate it. And obviously, he's got you know Simicast has come in as great backup to Robertson. We've got Diaz now. He's completely reshaped up sort of the front three, Mane through the middle, and he's sort of he's he's improved on that team. And having him signed up till twenty twenty six now just means that you know if. God forbid, if Salah left or something like that, or a couple of players leave, it just means everyone's sort of more confident that we can, you know, we can, we're going to be able to rebuild with him here until twenty twenty six. And I just think that it just, it just brings. I mean, not that, like, like you said, not that we needed much more positivity around the club at a time like this, but it just does. It just, it just cheers everyone up. It gives gives fans that extra boost. You know, everyone's going to be singing a little bit louder. Everyone knows he's, he's he's not going to be going anywhere anytime soon, and that you know the good times are hopefully going to continue. And you only have to see Matt only at the end of full time. You only have to see Luis Diaz, the tears in his eyes, and thinking that 
you know, every special footballer out there, every really talented footballer out there watching that is going to be looking at Liverpool and thinking, that's the kind of club I need to play for. Luis Diaz is a marvellous footballer, but he's been playing his trade at Porto where he, he, he was more or less getting thumped by us every time we played, we played them, but not getting in. And now within the first season of playing for Liverpool Football Club, he's in, well, he's in three finals, isn't he? You know, and, he, and with the possibility of winning the league. So for any potential player of his quality out there looking, I know Cavallio's on the verge of signing over, that's a done deal. But any young player out there, it must do us the world of good, mustn't it, for them to be seen out and thinking, well, that's the kind of club. Forget about your Man Cities necessarily and your Man United's and you've got to... Liverpool's the club they need to be going to, mate. So it's it's not only brilliant for the fans and brilliant for the future and brilliant for the present, but it's incredible to know that we can see players out there potentially thinking, you know, that's the club I want to play for. Yeah, and another two years of, of Jurgen Klopp isn't going to harm them either. I think the, the the big sort of selling point really is that, as Ed says, this is this is going to continue. You can't really see Liverpool dropping off without Jurgen Klopp. Obviously, beyond that is is a little bit more unknown. But even then, I'd be be fairly confident that Liverpool can kind of stay at a, a similar level. But it's just that little bit of extra reassurance, isn't it? And you know, in in terms of Luis Diaz, I mean. Again, what what more can you say about him? He's he's come in, settled straight away. Looks exactly like a Liverpool player. Looks perfectly suited for Jurgen Klopp. And I think we've got Tottenham and, and Daniel Levy really to to thank for Liverpool being in contention for this quadruple. Because if it wasn't for them making the bid, and I'm pretty sure they agreed a, a deal in January to to sign him from uh, from Porto. Only then did Liverpool kind of step in and and match that. The fact that they you know did that allowed Liverpool to to kind of keep up the momentum really it was obviously a, a huge boost that no one really expected at the end of January to add that bit of quality to your squad and when you think of you know the injuries to Roberto Firmino and the kind of you know the, the AFCON thing obviously that would have taken a, a lot I think we, we've pretty much seen the, the confirmation that it did take a lot out of Mohamed Salah in particular and Sadio Mane has come back and, and been in good form but I think you know Luis Diaz is, is absolutely a crucial part of, of that and you know you, you just wonder you know what what would have happened if Liverpool didn't go out and, and get him in January would they be in the position they're in now and I think probably that's that's not the case and I think maybe there's there's a bit of a lesson to be learned in there in terms of, of the owners and maybe once you get yourself into a certain position maybe you do just take that risk maybe instead of waiting for the summer you do just go and, and try and be a little bit more proactive and you know maybe there's there's a bit of luck and a, a little bit of fortune in it this time but I think we've seen you know quite clearly he's made a, a huge difference and if that is the difference and it was a little bit of luck to, to get Liverpool into this position then obviously they've capitalised on that perfectly but possibly in future that might be might be one to look at and think well you know, we're kind of we're in a, a brilliant position. What could that little extra boost sort of do for you? And if Liverpool go and, and win the quadruple, I think that'll be that'll be all the evidence you need. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, I think I think I disagree. Though. I think if we hadn't got Lewis Diaz, we probably would have just put Nat Phillips on the wing, and he does. <laughs> um, it, it is exceptional, though, mate. And let's just talk about Diaz and Klopp as well, because. Talking about the Villarreal, 2-0 up, we go over there. You know, Klopp's, Klopp had said all weekend, I think that this is going to be tough. They're going to have to suffer because Villarreal are going to throw everything at them. You know, in the end, they had, they threw it all into 45 minutes, unfortunately for them, fortunately for us, unfortunately for them. Liverpool were in disarray, didn't know what to do. Um, now, everyone, I think, probably felt the same thing. Ed, we were all screaming, get Henderson on. We need a bit of stability in the middle. Cater doesn't know what he's doing. He's, he's, he's a liability. Klopp saw it different, didn't he, Klopp? Second half starts with exactly the same formation. Then he brings Diaz on, and what Klopp said afterwards, Ed, was that he what it wasn't about a, a performance. It was strategy. He said it wasn't the performance. It was the fact that Jota um, 
uh, and to a certain extent, Mane and Salah, but mostly Jota, they weren't making these half runs from the front back into midfield, so they were leaving gaps. He has this extraordinary ability to see the game, doesn't he? And 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 and, and explain it in a way that makes you go, okay. Because when that second half came on and, and there were no changes, I think we all went, oh no, this could be, this could be a major problem. But actually, putting Diaz on. Gave them a threat, gave them a threat that made them play on the back foot. That alongside, of course, they were fatigued. But it was genius, wasn't it? And and, and it just shows you that I've often said it. He's the best half-time manager I've ever seen. For, for being able to drag a team who are playing very well. And you can always see, can't you, when he sprints down the tunnel as the, as the, the half-time whistle goes, you know that he's getting ready to absolutely give it to the team. But they always seem to respond to it and... That was tactically brilliant, wasn't it, from a manager who's is, is clearly the best coach in the world, isn't he? Yeah, I'm not sure uh, many people watching that game expected to see Naby Keita come out for the uh, for the second half. But obviously, Klopp and his coaching staff, as you say, saw something nobody else did, uh, made the right changes as they continue to do at the moment. It seems like everything they touch turns to gold with regards to half-time team talk, substitutions, you know. Obviously, I mean... In terms of bad performances, they looked like they were having a competition with the side that played that first half at the Etihad in the Premier League uh, for who could put in the worst 45 minutes of the season. But even then, you know, you're thinking, all right, we've gone in 2-0, we've gone in 2-0 down, but I wouldn't want to be a Liverpool player in that change room right now because he's going to be giving them the business and they're going to come out in the second half and most likely blow, blow Villarreal away, which is exactly what they did, obviously. Massively helped by, as you say, the fact that they'd sort of gassed themselves out in that first 45 minutes. They just didn't have the um, the pressing intensity at all in that second half. And it was, it was relatively easy, wasn't it? But, I mean, like you say, everything he does with substitutions, half-time team talks at the moment, you've just got every faith that no matter what the result is, once he gets them in at half-time, he's, he's, if, if they've not been playing badly, you know, if... Some, if someone like Van Dijk's rattled like he was at City, something like that, you just know that whatever it is he's going to say to them, whatever change he's going to make, it's almost certainly going to work and Liverpool are going to be all the better for it. And also, remarkably, Matt, as well, as you, you probably all noticed, and everyone listening to this notice, but there's footage of, of Klopp at full time having an intense conversation with, with um, Jota and, and with his arms around him. And that is the... That is the essence of the man, isn't it? I mean, you can make an analogy that, you know, uh, Jesse Lingard makes his final appearance for Man United, supposedly, after a 20-year career there and doesn't even go on with the three look for the last five minutes to, to, to get any kind of acknowledgement of the time he spent there. You know, you can, I, I'm making an analogy that a lot of people might not connect with. What I'm basically saying is that Jürgen Klopp is a manager who every decision he makes, he stands up for and he stands by, doesn't he? And And... and He's he's gone on that pitch knowing that Jota's probably thought, oh, I've been sacrificed here, but the results been the same, it been, been what we wanted. So was that my fault? And there was an intense conversation with Klopp where he's clearly talking to that man and saying, Look, it's not you, mate. This is what we had to do. And it just it just sums up the kind of character that he has. Um, where he cares, he absolutely cares. The players feel it, you know they do, and that, and that's the special kind of thing behind this team. As much as the talent on the pitch, it's what he makes them feel, isn't it? He makes he makes them feel 10 feet tall. Um, and it's a remarkable thing to see. And, it, and it's the legacy, one of the many legacies that he will he will leave. But um, incredible to see the way he can go to play. Because often as a football fan, Matt, we worry, don't we, that all our players are happy. You're always worried that our player's going to go, oh, he doesn't like it here. And you just get the sense that 
with Klopp, it's, it's never going to be like that because he always seems to pull him aside and go, look, any problems you've got, talk to me about it. He just seems like such an... He's a psychologist as well as a, as well as a coach, isn't he? Yeah, he knows, he knows, doesn't he, exactly what to say, exactly what to do at the exact right time. And we saw that in his press conference as well at the end. Obviously, you mentioned there the, the kind of moment with him and Diogo Jota, but he kind of came out himself and, and said, you know, it could have been any one of the, the players that came off. It just happened to be him. And, you know, to, to an extent, that that's probably not true. I think that there was, you know, a clear reason be, behind the, the fact that, that Jota was there. He wasn't working for him. He hadn't had a huge amount of touches. And, and Luis Diaz obviously came came on and, and changed the game as he wanted. So I think sometimes it, it is, you know, almost a, a psychologist's job, isn't it? It's it, it's a simple case that there's six games of the season left and Diogo Jota at some point is going to be needed for Liverpool. If they are going to win the quadruple, he's probably going to have to score. He's probably going to have to have, you know, a, a certain moment and, you know, you, you look at, at the games left, you'd imagine that if it was a Champions League final tomorrow, then probably Diogo Jota wouldn't play. But you've still got to have that ability to, to come off the bench and, and make a difference. And, you know, we've seen that with, with loads of players. I think Jota is, is the latest example, but he's certainly not the only one this season. You look at someone like Takumi Minamino, who's, you know, been hugely, hugely influential in the Carabao Cup, got some vital goals in, in that scored nine times this season but you know he's apart from in the Champions League I can't remember the last time he even made the bench for Liverpool but you know he's he's still obviously content and, and happy within the squad and I think that's that's really hard and someone like Divock Origi as well you've seen it not just this season but countless times in his career he's not played for months he comes in and and makes a, a huge contribution and again it's it's a case of he's up to now been been happy at Liverpool been happy at sort of being a part of, of that squad and, and having those moments and you know, I'm sure you know Jurgen Klopp probably wouldn't take the credit for it, but it's got it's got to be it's got to be a part of, of his management that he kind of he knows what to say, knows when to say it, and you know to, to keep a squad like that happy again is is almost impossible. But Jurgen Klopp seems to to make it look fairly simple. Yeah, he's, he's just an extraordinary extraordinary man, and we are blessed to have him at the club. He would equally say he's blessed to be here, and that's the point of him, really, isn't it? He's such an incredibly an incredibly modest man. Ed, um, so getting to last night's game then, sat down with me kids, Man City against Real Madrid. Real Madrid are one of them teams though. It's like in the 70s and 80s, before your time, lads, but even leading into the 90s where you'd watch the World Cup and then you'd watch Germany stuttering through groups. But there was just something about them where you thought, you know what, they're going to get there. They're going to get to the final. They probably will win it. They're going to be there or thereabouts because they have a way of winning. Real Madrid has shown well, three times in success, three times in this tournament alone, uh, in, in this season against um, PSG, against Chelsea, and now last night against Man City, that they will not let go of a football match, particularly in the Champions League. They'd rather brazenly put on, we're ready for number 14 at the end. I hope that backfires on them. But a remarkable uh, game. And I said to my kids before, Ed's right, what we want here, sitting down, here's what we want. Ideal. We want to go through 90 minutes. We want to go to 120 minutes. We want a few injuries, you know, not career threatening. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, you know, I'm not Putin. Um, but I just, just, uh, you know, just something that's going to upset the apple cart with the, with the Premier Chase. And, and ultimately, we want uh, revenge on, on Real Madrid. And we want yet another season where Pep Guardiola doesn't get um, a chance to win the Champions League. Who do you do? What do you think? Uh, it's just incredible, mate. It, it couldn't have gone more to plan, could it? And, 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 um, just those last two. As soon as that goal from Grealish never went in, it went across the line. And I'd said to me, boys, something is on the cards. With two minutes to go, sounded stupid even coming out of my mouth, Ed. But a week's a long time in football, and so is two minutes, mate, isn't it? 
Yeah, I wasn't quite as brave. I wasn't. My, my shout wasn't quite that late. But uh, somebody did ask me before the game, just before kickoff, they said, "What do you think is going to happen here?" And then I did say, "You just fancy Madrid to do them. They've got something in their day. Not unlike us, to be fair. You know, Champions League nights at Anfield. They've just got that something in their DNA that just they they don't know how to lose in the Champions League. It's ridiculous for them to. I mean. For Rodrigo to come on and score those two goals, it was just ridiculous. And then from then on, I don't think anybody thought City were going to go through. I think everybody knew as soon as it went to extra time, it, it was just written in the stars, wasn't it? And I mean, you hate to say it, but what a relief. Because as much as Man City are obviously the better team, and that's a strong reason why you wouldn't want to play them in the final, I think it's more the pressure of it. If... You know, if we're playing City in that final, if they just won the league a week before, the pressure of never mind winning, not losing, and giving them their first uh, European Cup and letting Pep finally win it as City, you know, that would have been. I mean, losing to Madrid obviously would be gutting again, like we did in 2018. But losing to City, I think, would have just been on another level. And now that sort of weights off the shoulders, you can you can sort of feel like I can look forward to the final a little bit more. And uh, I think we've got, obviously, a miles better chance against Madrid. Um, we owe him one, like you say. Mo Salah's ready for it. He's put out his tweet. He's let him know uh, that he's going to be uh, he's going to be coming for him. And who knows? I think hopefully, hopefully it'll happen. <laughs> well, let's hope so. I mean, Pep Guardiola, some of the shots off him, and you just think, Matt, don't you? He brought off De Bruyne for one reason and one reason only, and that's because of Liverpool Football Club. If we were 40, if he was still 14 points ahead, that lad would have played. He brought him off because we are the stone in his shoe. We are the pebble in his crock, aren't we? We just will not go away, and it gets into his head. And he was making changes before. I mean, you can kind of say as well, can you? Look, he was two minutes away from, from pretty much doing what he had to do and doing it in a great way. He soaked up the pressure from them and then and then Mahrez scores an absolute blinder, but by taking them players off, he's clearly saving them for what he believes is still very much unfinished business in the league and, and it's come back and backfired and listening to all the City fans on the radio straight after was saying, Pep's got a go, he's not good enough for us, he needs, he couldn't know how to do it. I mean, it's just hilarious, isn't it? Because, you know, they're going to go out and buy, you know, Harlem's no doubt and, you know, they're going to plug up the hole in the boat with a big wad of notes. But just just to know that, that we are in the back of his mind when he's making them decisions and and and, to, and for him to sit there thinking, well, you know, that's that's five years he's been there, has he? And he hasn't been able to get get a Champions League and we're in our third final in five years. It's, it's just an extraordinary thing. And as he said himself, Matt, more importantly, uh, he was quoted as saying after the game, it's going to take us a few days to get over this, to get over it. And I think it'll take more. I think there is a that has been a punch in Man City's stomach that they could not possibly have anticipated. I don't think any in Man City thought they were going out, let's be honest with you. Um, and and they will be they will be absolutely good. Kyle Walker's out, bad luck. They had to come off, played way too long uh, for someone who's, who seems to have a recurring ankle injury. That's a possibility. They're playing Newcastle, who aren't a bad team. We managed to squeeze a squeeze one out, but they had chances against us. Um, you know, yet again, dare we dream it, Matt, but we could be looking at, we could be looking at a really, one or two things are going to happen now, Matt. They are either going to come flying out the traps, in which case power to them and respect to them, because it will take a lot of character to do that. Or they are still going to be reeling from the absolute arse falling out of their, of their league. 
and, and, and playing a fairly decent and very, very dangerous Newcastle United with some injuries as well, Matt? Yeah, exactly. It can go can go one or two ways, can't it? I mean, just firstly, in terms of, of the Champions League and the psychology around that, there is just something, as much as Real Madrid very much have it in their kind of mindset that they are always going to win. I think Manchester City, there's, there's always something there that has stopped them and they've never quite been able to get over that. And I think almost the, the biggest thing really for, for Liverpool is that they've still got that next season when the Champions League is on. They're going to have that again. They've still not got over it. They've still managed not to, to get you know, the, the victory in that. Pep Guardiola has, has overthought things at times. I don't think that was the, the case in, in this one. It was just you know almost unexplainable, which in some ways makes it even worse for them. It's not like there was an obvious thing that they necessarily did wrong. or you know, It, it was just one of those games where you just start to think it's never going to happen. I'm sure it, you know, inevitably when you spend as much money as what they do, it will eventually happen for them. But the longer it can be that, that, that they don't have that, I think that can can only be only be a good thing for Liverpool and and the other clubs sort of trying to to compete with them. But yeah, in terms of of the Premier League title race, I think we will know exactly where we stand really with them as soon as that kicks off against Newcastle. The first five minutes, we'll know they're either bang at it and you'd fancy them to go in and win all four of the games and win 5-0 in each of them or it, it's going to be a little bit nervy Newcastle maybe have maybe got the the kind of pressure off them there's there's not really too much for them to play for I know they've got kind of you know individuals trying to impress ahead of the summer when they're going to spend a lot of money but I think for, for them they can kind of take it a little bit more lightly they can go into it and, and have a bit of confidence maybe go at Manchester City a bit more than if they were really struggling and, and fighting for the points which I think sometimes can sort of play into to your hands really I think if you sit back against City you kind of fancy them at some point to, to try and score but I think if if you sort of have a go at their back line particularly with Kyle Walker being out there's there's a real possibility really of, of something happening there so yeah Liverpool obviously got to get their own job done but but sort of keep the, the fingers crossed really that that someone somewhere, you know, in the, the last four games can, can hopefully do it for them. I mean, the one that I've kind of got my eye on is West Ham. And, and by the time this podcast goes out, we'll know whether or not West Ham are in the Europa League final. But fingers crossed that they're not, because if they are in that final, that's only a couple of days before they play City. So I'm sure they'll make plenty of changes for that if that is the case. But yeah, by the time people are listening to this, they'll know one way or the other. If West Ham are not in that final, I think that's that's probably the one that I'd look at and think, a full strength West Ham team at home. There is a there there is a possibility, I think, that that can be a tricky game for City. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. There are some remarkable twists and turns and and things you'd attribute to fate when you're in football sometimes. If you look at that second Rodrigo goal, the equaliser, the one that took it to extra time last night, Asensio heads it first. Three or four foot in front of him, not not with enough time for him to to readjust, and him flicking the ball on is what makes the connection from Rodrigo that goes into the top corner. And it's you think if Asensio hadn't got to that, he might not have got to the header. It, it, it's it's an extraordinary when you see it in slow motion, you think, boy, oh boy, things are written in the stars, aren't they? They really are. Let's hope. I mean, obviously West Ham two one down, and they're playing Leipzig, RB Leipzig tonight. Let's genuinely hope for all reasons you know they only spent they spent one week in in, in Leipzig last week and, and attacked two journalists when they'd scored for God's sake so let's hope uh, it doesn't work for them and let's hope uh, for many reasons but more importantly it means that Moyes will um, will have a stronger squad to put out against uh, Man City fingers crossed with it it's just the way this, the, the twists and turns are going it's remarkable isn't it and somebody turned around to me and said today and said you know what though 
think about it. You know, uh, Real Madrid, late comeback against PSG, late comeback against Chelsea, late comeback against uh, Man City. Their names written on the cup. And I, it got me down a bit until I started thinking and I remembered that in 1981, we played Wolves in the last game of the season and we won the championship. We won the league. And this year, we play Wolves last game of the season to potentially win the league. We also, in 1981, played Real Madrid in Paris in the final of the Champions League. And we're going to do it again on the 28th. So, if anyone hits you out there with your little, with their little bit of Real Madrid's got the name on the cup, hit them back with that. Because we could have our name on the cup as well, Ed. Yeah, I think, um, to, be fa- to be fair to Real Madrid, I mean, if they do go on and win it, it will be one of the, I think, iconic Champions League runs. But... I know you, you can look too much into stuff like this. I'd seen that um, that stuff about playing them in Paris in 1981, and do you know? Funnily enough, there was there was a lot of similarities with Chelsea's Champions League win last year. I can ask. I seem to remember hearing a lot of similar things, and so sometimes, yeah, it does look like it's written in the stars. But I think obviously it's very easy to uh, read into all that too much. And on paper, I think. Everybody, everybody, realistically, would be uh, in agreement that I think Liverpool are, the, are obviously the stronger team on paper, and are probably the favourites. But like you say, like I said earlier about PS, about um, Real Madrid, even they've got that that Champions League DNA, sort of the complete opposite of what City and PSG have got, where you just you can't you can't write them off, and you know it's going to be a tough game. Whatever happens, hopefully we've just got enough enough bottle to. Uh, get it over the line and, you know, even if it takes a horrible game, horrible performance, you know, everyone calls the 2019 Champions League final one of the worst of all time, but, I mean, it's one of my favourites because, um, obviously, we finished up with uh, our hands on what you call them all big ears at the end, but, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, we win it again. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Uh, Matt, let's come to more current issues. Uh, Tottenham, not a, by no means an easy game on Sunday, on Saturday, it's a quarter to eight kickoff. That's nice. I'll be in the comedy club. Much appreciated. That means no one will be listening to us doing comedy. They'll be cheering and stamping their feet, hopefully, if we score, but I won't mind. Um, a big game, and then, of course, Villa after that. Um, and then we've got the uh, the FA Cup final. But um, Tottenham, uh, Tottenham are, it's, you know, it's it's a tricky time, mate, isn't it, uh, at the best of times. And um, one that can, you know, historically has gone either way. And we've all often done very well at Anfield against them, but we've had them moments, haven't we? And, we need to just keep our eyes on the prize, something that Liverpool have been doing, uh, and we can be quite confident that they're doing this one step at a time, but we can't afford any any slip-ups against Spurs, mate, can we? No, and I'm fairly confident, actually. I think Liverpool, when you consider what happened in the reverse fixture, I think Liverpool owed Tottenham one. I think there was a, a couple of, of strange refereeing decisions in that game. You think of the, the Harry Kane tackle, the... Uh, just the, the sort of COVID-related factors as well. I mean, Liverpool had Tyler Morton playing in Fabinho's position, which, I mean, that, that seems like a long, long time ago now, doesn't it, that that was happening? But that wasn't, you know, a, a real Liverpool. And obviously, it didn't even didn't even lose the game. It was two each, I think, wasn't it, at, at their place? So, you know, Liverpool, I think, have, have kind of got got a bit of a point to prove, really. I think it, it will be it will be a tricky one. Obviously, Harry Kane and, and Hume and Son, I think, two of the very best forwards in the world, certainly the, the combinations that they've got. They've done it in the past against Liverpool. There's there's no reason why that can't happen again necessarily. But I think you've just got to back Liverpool. The, the firepower, the, the, they're riding the crest of a wave, aren't they? At the moment, I think it's you know it's you know however many games it is uh, unbeaten at Anfield. You think of 
you know the the kind of the, the stage of this season that we're at. The crowd is going to be bang up for it. The kickoff time, I think, plays into Liverpool's hands. It's the first time at Anfield since Jurgen Klopp signed his new contract, so that's going to be a kind of you know a theme of the game. I think is is going to be the Jurgen Klopp song is just going to be going off. I think it's it's one of those occasions where yes, it's it's tricky and, and Liverpool can't take Tottenham lightly, but. Frankly, there's there's a massive gulf in quality between those two teams, and if Liverpool don't win it, I think that would be a massive, massive disappointment because you know, fundamentally at home against Tottenham, they should be able to win that. It's about managing the moment, isn't it, Ed? Because it's it's one of the things that slip teams up all the time is is, is getting complacent. Seems to be the complacency touch wood once again. Uh, seems to be something that 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 um, the Jurgen Klopp seems to know how to handle, doesn't he? He seems to be able to get this team focused on the job at hand and not thinking too far ahead and stuff like that. With that in mind, do you think that Luis Diaz, after his performance and performances, let's be honest, um, is worthy of a call-off from the start? Or do you think uh, Jurgen Klopp quite likes the idea of bringing him on to influence again? All this talk about written in the stars, you do sort of feel, you know, Luis Diaz coming on against Spurs. If you start him, he might he might just be able to do something. But again, off off the bench, he seems just as useful. So personally, I'd like to see him start just because just because how entertaining I find him. You know, I, every time every time you look at the team sheet and see his name on it, I get a little bit more excited to watch us. And I mean, we're an exciting team as it is, but he just brings that little bit of flair, little bit extra sort of. He's a bit more raw. Obviously, he's not he's not quite. He's settled in magnificently, but he's not been here for a couple of seasons. He's not settled in fully. He's still sort of raw, got that aggression about him. And I think the most exciting thing about him is he's only going to get better, isn't he? Because I've struggled to name someone we've signed in the last five seasons who's come in, worked under Klopp and hasn't exponentially improved, uh, barring until recently, maybe Naby Keita due to his injuries. But obviously, even he's going through a bit of a purple patch now, barring that first half against Villarreal and... I think I personally would definitely be starting him. I think he might end up creating a bit of a selection headache, really, where Jota and Mane are concerned, because I can see Diaz making that left left side of position his own, really, and Mane and Jota having to sort of scrap it out for going going through the middle. But yeah, personally, I think I'd uh, I'd definitely be starting him against Spurs. Obviously, they they tried to sign him in January, and I just think it'd be a it'd be nice to uh, stick it to him just that bit extra and have him get a goal or get a couple of assists or something like that. Yeah, it could work either way, couldn't it? I mean, he, he just seems to have such a fluidity, Matt, now, doesn't he, uh, uh, Klopp, with, with with the choices he's making. If he brings Canati in for Matip, it seems to work well. Um, he's got that thing now where, I mean, Jordan Henderson m- must be, feel, be feeling a little bit aggrieved at the moment. I mean, he, I know he fought... Fought long and hard to get a decent contract for this season and uh, and to renew his contract and seems to be spending most of it on the bench. He's a he's a consummate professional, so you know he will take that in a stride. You have to feel a little bit for Jordan Henderson, don't you? And he seems to be thinking that the Thiago Fabian Cater seems to be the one he wants to start with. But at least we know that uh, of that three, there's a possibility that Henderson in the league is going to be is going to be coming on with uh, with with Thiago and Fab and leaving Cater out for for other days. Yeah, it's such a tricky one, isn't it? I think um, I think if if Liverpool were playing the Champions League final with the kind of circumstances as they are now, I don't think Jordan Henderson would start, and that's you know a, a huge turnaround, really, isn't it, for, for Naby Keita over the last few months? He's kind of shown why Liverpool bought him. He's been able to to stay fit, and I don't think anyone really doubted the, the quality that he had. It was just that 
ability to get him on the pitch and, and, and that ability to be to be a consistent player for Liverpool. So, yeah, it is it is harsh on Jordan Henderson, but I still think you know there's there's a lot more to come from him over you know not just the rest of, of this season but future seasons as well. I think there's there's a good chance that Liverpool are in as many competitions as what they are now at this point next season as well. Let's be honest, they're, they're one of the best teams in the world. There's not going to be a shortage of fixtures really. And I think what we've always seen from Jordan Henderson throughout his Liverpool career is that if you set him a bit of a challenge and you say to him, you're not in the team, he's going to fight back and he's going to be even better. I think, So the, you know, there's, there's been a couple of, of periods really where he's not really been at his best. He struggled a little bit under Jurgen Klopp at, at certain points over the last few years, obviously had you know great highs as well, but he does seem to be one of those players where if you say, sorry, you're not in the team this week, you know you're going to get a, a 100% focused and, and determined Jordan Henderson the following week. So I don't think it's a bad problem to have. Obviously, it's it's a bit of a headache to have your captain and, and not necessarily put him in the starting 11 every week. But yeah, if you've got Jordan Henderson on the bench, you've got some midfield on the pitch. Yeah, absolutely, and of course, I just I forgot to mention as well. Regulon's not playing for Spurs as well. He's, their left back's injured, possibly for the end of the well, till the end of the season now. For what games remain, I think. Do you reckon it's an injury? It's I, I think he's pulled a thigh or whatever, but it could be a month out, which could be the end of the end of the season for him. So if you've got a, a weakened left back there, and you've got the likes of Lewis Diaz and Salah, of course, who can switch and uh, and cause mayhem down that wing, that then it's all the better. Um, for Liverpool, isn't it really? But there is key areas where I think Jordan Henderson is gonna is gonna um, still have something to say towards the end of the season, isn't he? It's just his it's his on field management as well, isn't it? He's almost like Klopp, Klopp with a pair of boots on running amongst them because he knows exactly what to say. So you can imagine that he's sort of the ace up the sleeve for Klopp, can't you, Red? And he's just gonna he's just gonna bring him on just the right time whenever we need a little bit of a boost. Yeah, I think. It, it does sound odd that you know, as Matt says, if if you were start if it was the Champions League final tomorrow, your captain wouldn't be starting. But I think it's he sort of encapsulates everything a modern captain needs to be because he he doesn't need he doesn't need to play. And with with obviously the amount of as you say the amount of football that gets played nowadays, you don't you don't need to be in the starting eleven for every game. You know, he'd be dead on his feet if he was. And I think having a captain who clearly accepts that knows his role and knows how important it is for, you know, not to be chucking a paddy if he's getting subbed off or showing that he's having a grumpy face on on the bench or something like that. You know, problems you see at, like, you know, places like United where, where Ronaldo's, you know, chucking a wobbler every time he gets subbed off. And the sort of detrimental effect seeing a captain behave like that w- would have on you would obviously be massive. But he's just, as you say, at every corner, he's just the consummate professional. He's everything you want from a captain and as he says he's an ace up the sleeve of Klopp I and mean, we've got a lot of those on the bench now and having him to bring on and sort of you know as you say it's like having a, a, a Klopp on the pitch and calm things down send on instructions just shout at everyone really and everyone knows that in spite of him never really being the best player in that Liverpool team everyone looks to him and who's you know the example setter and he sort of he's always the one to trigger that press, and he's just as I say, everything you want from a Liverpool captain. Indeed, he is. Well, we're coming to the end of this anyway, and uh, and uh, just uh, just a, a simple question for you two to end it on, really. Uh, Matt Addison, can Liverpool do the quadruple? Yes, one hundred percent, they can. I think they will end up with three. 
I'm not going to say which three, but I think they'll end up with three. <laughs> but they, they could win four. Ed? I am in agreement with Matt, and I do think they'll win three, but I will say I, th- I think it'll be the uh, the FA Cup, the Carabao Cup and the Champions League. I think I do think City now, with not having, as much, big of a blow as it will be, uh, losing that Champions League semi-final, I think not having the final to think about anymore, I do think they'll now just kick on and win every game, but if we win the Champions League, they can have it. Well, quite right. I mean, it's it's a funny one because it's it's one of these situations where you'd even allow yourself a little bit of a bugger at the end of the season if we lost the league by a point, even though we're doing such incredible things. But such is the the raising of the bar and the expectations. I think personally that the the, that the next game, I know what Matt says, West Ham's uh, is going to be all dependent on whether they get through tonight against Leipzig. But this Newcastle game could be could be it, everything that we could possibly have hoped for happened last night. Uh, because I think I genuinely think before that result last night, City were definitely going to kick on. I just don't know whether that's in their locker now. I just don't know whether they feel a bit sick. You know, if you've ever did, if you've ever done anything competitive with any sportsman, any sports person, you know that they would cheat. They would sell their grandmothers to beat you. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be. A, I've done quizzes on TV with with ex Liverpool players who who are desperate to get the answers before the quiz starts because they just do not want to lose. They cannot lose. The professional feeling of losing is 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 just too much, and they've lost big time. And I just feel that it could just be on. So I I think I agree with you. I think we are going to win three, and we've already won the Carabao Cup as well to go with it. So um, I'm putting all my eggs in one basket. You know what? Let's see. Fingers crossed. Touching wood. Uh, tell you what. Give us a quick score prediction for Spurs, Matt. I'm going to go 3-1. I think Tottenham will score, but I think Liverpool will just have too much. And I think, uh, yeah, everything kind of points to a Liverpool win. So, yeah, Liverpool to win, 3-1. Ed? I'm going to go 3-0. Nice clean sheet for Liverpool. OK, I'll chuck 2-0 in the hat then. Either one, as long as theirs is nil and we've got something, I don't really mind. Um, guys, thanks very much, Matt. Much appreciated. Uh, and Ed as well. Long may I continue. The mighty Reds. Yet again, it's been one of them years, hasn't it? It's been one of them seasons where we've just had smiles beaming from ear to ear. We cannot believe the form, the consistency, the the, the relentlessness and the talent of this Liverpool side we're, we're bearing witness to. Uh, we will be the granddads in many, many years to come, sitting grandkids on our knees saying, oh, you ain't around now in the 2020 season, the 2021 season, the 2022 season, when this remarkable team is doing what it is doing right now. Just drink it in, hold it with both hands. Every Liverpool fan out there, just just keep supporting them. We are an incredible football team, living in a wonderful time to be a Red. All the very best to Liverpool Football Club for the games to come. We shall be back with another Poetry Emotion very soon. Thanks very much. Up the Reds! You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.